if you're not that excited about <clears throat> all the shirts, all the hoodies in here, then you weren't here a few years ago when we restarted this church and there weren't hardly any kids here. So very, very thankful for what God is doing. Um, I will tell you that going to Christian concerts, um, the music has either gotten louder or I've gotten older. Not sure anymore, but uh, nevertheless, it was a good week. Very happy to have uh, Matt and them doing what they're doing. Um, Cordy and I, it was our 23rd wedding anniversary Saturday. And as we crawled into bed Saturday morning at about 3 a.m., we chuckled to ourselves that all these years later, um, we're still involved in student ministry. Um, but um, nothing could thrill my soul more than to see God moving in the lives of the next generation. So very happy about that. First Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 5. The Holy Word of God, the inspired Word of God, Paul's letter to Timothy, the pastor at the church in Ephesus. He says this, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles, in faith and truth. So Paul's letter to Timothy so far has um, been one explaining sound doctrine, uh, which uh, he defines and we work through the teachings of the Old Testament, the teachings of Christ, and the teachings of the apostles that we have contained here in the Scripture. And then we learned that the overarching theme of sound doctrine is that uh, listed in chapter 1, uh, of chapter 1, the overall teaching of chapter 1, is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Paul says this is a trustworthy saying, and it's deserving of full acceptance. He then moves into chapter 2, uh, immediately calls the Christians in Ephesus to pray for their leaders, that they would come to know Christ. Uh, and then he moves into more uh, simple yet profound theology by dro dropping this nugget of foundational truth for the believers in Ephesus to know or and be reminded of and for us today uh, to know maybe for the first time or be reminded of again and that is this for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. There is one God, and there is only one mediator. Now, you may be asking yourself, what do I need a mediator for? Well, let me help you out. You were born into sin. No one has had to teach you how to sin. You sin very well all on your own, and that separates you from a holy, holy, holy God. And you need someone to stand between you and a holy, holy, holy God. And the problem is you need someone who is perfect, and you don't know anyone like that. But Paul does. 
And these Christians in Ephesus have been taught of someone who is perfect, and he reminds this group of new believers as he is reminding us through the power of the Holy Spirit that that one man is Christ Jesus. Some would call this in theological terms the exclusivity of Christ. The reformers such as Martin Luther might call this or probably would call this solo Christus, which means by Christ alone. Martin Luther would write in his own writings that Jesus Christ is the center and circumference of the Bible. The center and circumference of the Bible. That all of the Bible, every story is pointing to one particular person. And that is Jesus. Now, there are a lot of ways in our world to get around things. Recently, my two boys and I drove to Shreveport. And as we entered into Shreveport, we noticed on the opposite side of I-20 that traffic was backed up for miles and miles and miles. At the location we arrived at, one of the people at the location said, yes, we received an alert from our highway department that there is a massive sinkhole on I-20, and it will be shut down for hours upon hours. And while the boys were doing their things, I was quickly at work on an alternative route to get back to Longview. We understand that. Uh, we know that we were taught grow up, graduate high school, go to college, graduate high college, Graduate with the highest degree you can, and you can make more money. But we've seen people go around that. And generally, when people don't obey that system, and they go around that system, and they get very wealthy, they get an honorary degree from a university. You did it without us. Come address our students, which I've always thought was hilarious. You can be told there are no tables available at a restaurant. But if you know the manager or know one of the owners, you can get a table. Or if you happen to have enough money, maybe you can actually do like they do in the movies and slip the person to $200 and they'll find you a table. There are all kinds of ways around things. And as a country awashed in wealth, we know there are a lot of options. Last time I checked at Sonic, I think they're claiming to have like 10,823 drink options. And I've tried a lot of them. There are a lot of options. And there are a lot of ways around things. And Americans, by and large, we do not like to be told that there is only one way to do something. In fact, we pride ourselves as a country on saying we will find not only another way, we will find a better way. And since I tell so many police stories, and I've been reminded that I tell so many police stories when I preach, I'm going to tell another police story so you can keep on reminding me of that. But early in your career, you will be tempted to use this phrase to an American man. Listen, bud, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. But let me assure you what that will get you in this country. It's going to be the hard way. No American man says, oh, I'll just do it the easy way. No, sir, we're going to do it the hard way. So we, as Americans, do not like being told 
that we only have one option. We do not like being told there's no other way around it. And we do not like being told any fact that we don't necessarily agree with. But let me tell you one fact that you have no choice but to believe either now or one day you will believe and that there is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. He is exclusive. There's no way around this truth. None. People say, well, that's a pretty obvious fact if you've grown up in church. But throughout history, this has been challenged. You might say, well, Jesus, he, Paul even here calls Jesus a man. Jason, he just calls him a man here in this scripture. So, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but if he's just a man, then you know, that can't really be much help to me. But you would need to take the full counsel of God's word. And the other things that Paul also said about the man, Jesus Christ, one particularly good place to land is Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, where he talks about the man of Jesus Christ. And he writes this, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That is the man, Jesus Christ, that Paul speaks to here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you might be here today and say, well, that's all well and good. That's what Paul says about Jesus. But what would Jesus say about himself? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said it this way. It's very confusing. It's very hard to understand this verse. It's very difficult. You might need to get several theologians to meet with you down at Starbucks to work through the Greek here. But let me just read it to you and let's see how confusing you think it is. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Is that confusing? It's not confusing to me. But Jesus said about himself, no one comes to the Father except through me. And you may be here today and say, I mean, seriously, Jason, no other way? I mean, are you really telling me there's no other way? I mean, what if I, what if I live a relatively good life? Or, or, or maybe someone is a Buddhist or maybe they follow a different religion and they abide by that religion passionately. They check off all the boxes of that religion. They live a good, clean life. Are you telling me that a person who lives a good, clean life, who, who follows another religion, who doesn't put their faith in, in Jesus Christ, are you telling me that that person cannot go to heaven to be with the Father? Yes, that is what I'm saying. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, you have this. And there is salvation. There is rescue. There is redemption. In no one else. I don't know if that's hard for you to understand, but let me read it to you again. There is salvation. There is redemption. There is rescue in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved but Jesus. No other way to the Father. There's only one God. Only one Jesus. And all other religions who profess another way to heaven are wrong. I needed some more amens from a body of believers. Here's the reality in the church today. Not everybody believes that anymore. The exclusivity of Christ has been tremendously watered down. Generally by churches who preach a lot of things but Jesus. So it's not hard to imagine a generation to grow up who don't seem to think that Jesus is that big of a deal because he was rarely ever preached in their church services. But if salvation, if your ability to be rescued from eternal damnation, if your ability to be redeemed rests in only one person, and that is Jesus Christ, and your greatest problem is your sin, and the greatest threat to your life is eternity forever and ever in hell, where you still cannot pay for your sin against a holy God, then why would we as churches not preach Jesus? It is the only way for you to be rescued. Salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We're familiar with that. See it on lots of billboards. We rarely hear verses 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But listen, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the, what does it say? Only Son of God. This is an important message. This is an important truth that the church must believe because the word of God makes it abundantly clear. You would say, so will God condemn people who have never heard the name of Christ? I mean, will God condemn these innocent people who have never heard of Jesus? Yes, because there are no innocent people. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 would say it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. 
Romans 3, 21 through 26 says it this way. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Well, you might say, I don't like that. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's a very loving thing for the God of the Bible to do. Well, what court do you plan on taking God to? And if you found a court to take God to, how do you plan on making God show up? He is God. In Romans 11, we read this. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? Ever woke up in the middle of the night seeing God at the foot of the bed asking you for advice? No. The fact of this truth, the shock of this truth, is not more difficult to preach today than it was in Paul and Timothy's time. Now, now you may think so, and listen, it is extremely controversial. We, as, um, uh, I just lost his name, he went right out of my head, but that's okay, because I was going to give him credit, but Alistair Begg, there we go. As Alistair Begg said it recently in a sermon on the exclusivity of Christ, we've moved as a country and as a church, more particularly as a church, from I believe to I think. And that is a major problem. And we're willing to come to the table of all other religions and say, well, I think we should have an open dialogue about what? What do you want to have an open dialogue over? That they're wrong? I'm all for that. But I believe this book. Somebody may say, well, I have a friend who said, well, I think everybody that serves a religion, if they obey it, it all leads to God. Well, that's not true either. Can't be. This idea of standing before people and claiming that Jesus is the only way to heaven, Jesus is the only way to eternal life, has caused more than one public preacher who is a celebrity, more than one, to be asked this question more than one time in front of people and to stumble and say, well, I, I don't want to cause that. I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want to be so bold. I don't want to offend anybody. Listen, the gospel is offensive. Jesus is the only way to the, only way to the Father. And there is no other way. It's not less controversial today than it was then. If you study Rome, Rome had many gods. And if you wanted Jesus to be one of them, for the most part, they were okay with that. Hey, well, we, we serve another God named Jesus. Great! What is he the God of? Everything. What? In fact, he's the only real God. He, all other gods are false. This is the only true God. Then you had a problem in Rome. They're, they're okay with adding him to the suitcase of gods. 
What got Christianity in trouble is we claim the exclusivity of God and of Christ. And that got you executed. It's not any different today. Everyone's fine with believing what you believe. Just don't tell me I'm wrong. You want to believe in Jesus? Believe in Jesus. Just don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't take your beliefs and tell me that my belief is wrong, except Christianity would say that you're wrong. That's the problem with much of our churches today. We're more worried about offending anyone than we are about offending a holy God. But you can rest assured, based on the word of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And every other road leads to destruction. And you may ask yourself, why does this matter to me today? It's crucial for a young church to see this and understand this. There's a reason why Paul would write this to Timothy. Timothy was already well aware of this. But Paul needed to be reminded. He wanted to remind Timothy of this and the Christians in Ephesus, no doubt in a culture that was saturated with multiple gods who wanted nothing to do with Christianity. They had to be reminded. But here's why it matters for you today. A refusal to acknowledge the exclusivity of Christ means that you believe Jesus is a liar and cannot be trusted. Because Jesus himself said he is the only way to the Father. And if you can't arrive there, then you render Christ a liar. And that means you have no belief. You have no faith, and you are not redeemed, and you are still dead in your sins and separated from God the Father and are bound for eternity in hell. This is a central truth, a foundational truth to Christianity, and it is an absolute must for salvation. That there is no other name to which we can be saved but the name of Jesus. Additionally, a refusal to acknowledge the exclusivity of Christ renders you a coward in evangelism. Because you will never boldly proclaim what you do not yourself believe. If you thought the earlier discussion about those who have not heard the name of Jesus will die and go to hell. If you thought that was an issue, well, the mission field calls for you. As David Platt so said, said so well a few years ago, everybody on planet Earth knows just enough about God to spend eternity in hell. And we are called, if we truly believe this, if we truly believe this, then our lives would be different. But you will never live out of faith that you do not have. 
There are some, I'm sure, in a crowd this size who finds themselves powerless over sin. There is no desire in your life for God's Word. There's no desire to associate with God's people. I mean, you attend and you may show up to church and you may check off the box, but at the end of the day, you only know the church lingo, but you have no real passion for Christ or His church. And I would just remind you of this truth. And my prayer would be that it would rattle your world. So as Jesus said, let he who has ears hear. For there is one God. There is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself as as a ransom for all. Meaning, he took your place on the cross. He paid the price that you owed. He took on your sin, and you get his righteousness. And we can't just feel this or think this. We must believe it with every fiber of our being. That's the only way a man like Stephen in Acts could preach this boldly as people begin to pick up rocks to stone him. And when the first stone struck, he continued to preach the name of Jesus. Knowing that he had been ransomed, and the only thing he wanted for his people would they would be ransomed as well. Our churches are weak today because there are few people within it anymore that believe this. And if you don't believe it, you'll never sacrifice your life for a church or dreams of your time for the advancement of the church. There's a lot of places that you might want to spend your 23rd wedding anniversary besides picking up Whataburger at 2 o'clock in the morning (laughs) for a bunch of students at your house only to crawl into bed at about 3 to get up the next morning to write a sermon. But if you believe, if you believe, That Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Then you'll lose your life. Students, he is the only way. And I would do anything so that you could see that. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Are you, church, convinced of this truth or not? Do you believe it or not? Because if Jesus is exclusive, and you believe that, your life should never be the same again. Because we have work to do. We have work to do. Pray with me. Lord God, as you have so clearly laid out in Scripture that your Son is the only way to you, God, that we have been separated by our sin and Christ has been our mediator. And Lord God, I pray for the people in this room, Lord, that spiritual ears would have heard the gospel. 
that we would recognize your son as exclusive, that he is worthy of all worship and all praise, and he is the only master worthy of being a slave to. Because you took us from being a slave to sin, and in Christ you made us a slave to righteousness. And so God, I pray for every heart and every soul in here this morning. God, you know their hearts. And we are oftentimes fooled by people's lingo and actions. But God, you see past all of that. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that you would draw people to your side. And you would rescue them for all eternity. Redeem them. Give them a new heart. And may their lives be radically different. And may they live for you, the only true God. We love you, Lord. Convict us, those of us here are believers. Convict us of our lack of evangelism. Convict us of our lack of speaking the truth. Convict us, Lord, for the times that we've tried to get along rather than say what is right. God, may we do it in love. God, I pray you would convict our hearts that there's no greater way to love someone than to tell them about Christ. Help us, Lord. We are weak in this area. Strengthen us. Help us to be bold for the King, I pray. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. We're going to worship, sing, I'm here. Our other elders, Wayne and Lucas, if you'll stand up. Matt, if you'll stand up. If you're here and you want to speak to someone about Christ, these men would be happy to share Christ with you. Matei, would you stand up for me? Ryan McCubbin, would you stand up? Aaron, would you stand up for me? Any of these men would be happy to share Christ with you. Uh, my wife, I don't know, see Robin. I see Selena, if you'll stand up for me. Caro, if you'll stand up. I'm just putting some, if you're here and go, why didn't you call on me? It's maybe I don't want to put you on the spot. I haven't cleared it with you. These people, uh, uh, if I haven't cleared it with, with you, well, it's too bad. <laughs> Any of these people would love to tell you about Jesus Christ. Either now, after the service, or anytime. So look at them and find them if you need to talk. But we're going to worship together, and I'm going to let them have a seat again. But if you want to talk to them, they'd be more than happy to share Christ with you and talk to you.